The thoughts that you're having leads to choices in your life. And those choices lead to behaviors. And those behaviors lead to the results that you currently call your life. And all, all the things that you have in it, the good and the bad. So a fundamental change needs to happen at the base level, which is your thoughts, your mindset. So how do we do that then? Do I listen to a podcast? Do I get that New York Times bestselling book that everybody keeps raving about? Do I watch a bunch of YouTube videos? And what I wanna say is the answer is simple. And it's the answer that you've heard over and over again, and there's not gonna be anything new in this answer, and you're not gonna be excited about it, but it is the goddamn truth. What's up, my friend, and welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm your host, celebrity trainer and high-performance health coach, Ted Rice. This is a podcast for men and women who are looking to boost their energy and upgrade their health. So get ready to learn proven health, fitness, and mindset strategies to unlock your full potential. And I've got a great episode for you today. It's just going to be you and I. We're going to be talking about how to win that fight with fat, and I'm going to present a very different argument as to why we keep struggling with this issue. Why, as a country, the United States in particular, is struggling with 70% of our population overweight or obese, and not to mention UK and Australia and New Zealand and Canada, and how this obesity epidemic is taking over the world. In fact, we're at the point in the world where there are more overweight people than underweight people. In case you don't know what that means, in the past, it was not being too fat and all the diseases that manifest as a result of that. That wasn't the issue. It was getting enough to eat. And now we're on the other side of that coin. And by the way, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that means that we're, we're feeding the population. We have enough food to feed everybody. So in that way, it's good. But we're going to talk about some of the deeper reasons, some of the epiphanies that I've had recently on how to look at this and why we keep struggling with our health, especially with this idea of being overweight, being obese. And before I get to that, I just want to give you a really brief update. I am back in Bangkok, Thailand right now, and I have a little bit of the sniffle. So if you hear something a little off or nasally with my voice, now you know why that's the situation. And uh, let me tell you, it, it was a, a, a crazy, amazing end of the year with my week at Rhythmia, or actually even going back before that, spending time with my dad, taking him to the Kennedy Space Center and, and being there with him and uh, just, just an amazing time with my father and then going off to Costa Rica for a week to drink ayahuasca at this incredible, insane, wild, crazy experience that I had at Rhythmia and then coming to New York and spending that week of Christmas and Christmas Eve with Giselle's family, her specifically her uncle, aunt, and cousins. It was just a beautiful, beautiful end to the year. And now we've made our way from New York City to Bangkok and uh, been here for about a week, struggling a bit with the with the jet lag. And, and I got the sniffles because I was using exercise to help adapt to the time zone, but I kind of overdid it a little bit. 
uh, because I always have these sleep issues big time when, um, when I shift time zones. Usually I plan out how to adjust and I was just riding so high and feeling so amazing. I didn't think it would be that big of a deal, but I was wrong. <laughs> so anyway, uh, feeling back to normal after a couple days of uh, having the sniffles. And I wanted to do this episode. And before we get into today's content, I want to say, listen, new year, new you time. We're in the first week of a new year. If you want to master your health, if you want to, if your health is an area of your life that you know you need to get handled, you know that you need to do something about it. You're struggling energy wise. You are feeling overly stressed. You have too much body fat on your body. You're too confused about what diet or what workout you should follow. Go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash free and watch my masterclass now. All right, on to today's episode. Well, we're going to be talking about this idea, this fight with fat. Why is obesity getting worse? And I think this is really important timing because right now gyms across all the Western world will be packed with people chasing after their New Year's resolution to lose weight. And it's so sad to see that most of these people, they're just repeating the same pattern that they tried the year before and the year before that and the year before that. And most of them, just like those previous years, will fail. They'll give up. They'll make progress for a little while, then stop. And the cycle goes on. And it saddens me to see this. And I, I got to tell you, before I, I used to think that New Year's resolutions would stick for at least a couple months. But according to a report from U.S. News, approximately 80% of resolutions fail by the second week of February. So that's what we're dealing with here. And this is happening even though we're years into the obesity epidemic, meaning you've gotten the message, you know that being obese, being overweight, having too much body fat is bad for your health. And we're, we've gotten into all these arguments about body fat acceptance and accepting our bodies. And I, I just want to come out and say, this is not about shaming you today. This is about telling the truth telling the truth to ourselves and the truth about why we're really in this predicament, in this health predicament. Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm a seeker of truth. And we all, I think a lot of people say that. A lot of people, if you ask them, hey, do you value the truth? Is it something that you value? It's like, well, of course, lying is terrible. The truth is good. But that honestly, the truth isn't always good. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it hurts. That's the truth about the truth. And so a lot of us, we don't want the truth. And we say we want the truth but those are just words that come out of our mouths because that's what we're supposed to say. But if we're honest with ourselves, at least some of us, we don't want the truth. We want to live in a lie that makes us more comfortable and lets us live in denial and gives us a pass instead of facing up to the hard truth and making that decision and saying, you know what? Oh, what am I going to do about this? Am I going to not do something about it? Am I going to do something about it? We just live in denial or point fingers and just play the blame game and make shit up so that we feel better about ourselves so we don't have to change. 
And this is going on even though we have more gyms, fitness coaches, nutritionists, and an in-depth understanding about why it's happening and what to do about it. We also have more people talking about the psychology of weight gain, right? I've had neuroscientist Stefan Guillenet on here talking about the underlying neurophysiological mechanisms that kind of help keep us stuck sometimes in, in a weight that isn't serving us or serving our health. And there, there's a lot to that. And again, despite all this fact, we're fatter than ever before. In fact, 40% of Americans are obese. And the average woman in the United States today weighs about 168 pounds. Contrast that to the 19 to 1960, that's what the average man weighed in 1960 is 168 pounds. But now women weigh what men used to weigh in 1960. And men weigh about 30 pounds more on average than 1960. And it's not just us, right? Because we can handle it or we can make excuses and come up with the same lies and nonsense that we, uh, <laughs> that we share with others that we put out there. But our children are suffering as well. About 18% of children in the U.S. are considered obese. That's a 30% increase from 2000. So our children are suffering. And while we may be able to look in the mirror and say, hey, it's not a big deal. Don't tell me what to do with my body. You're just trying to shame me. Can you honestly look at your children and say that the effect that you're having on them, the effect that modern society is having on them and advertising is having on them, that is not a big deal, that they should find happiness, even though we all know there's something really, really wrong with this situation. And by the way, I've been picking on the US, but it's not much better in Canada, Australia, the UK, or New Zealand. In fact, 68% of Australians aged 18 and over were overweight or obese. 64% of Canadian adults over the age of 18 are overweight or obese. 62% of adults in England are classified as overweight or obese. What the hell is going on? And more importantly, how can we change what's going on? And I'll tell you, the first thing that we need to do is we need to admit that there is a problem because right now there's an even bigger problem is we don't want to admit it. We're not doing that. Roughly 70% of Americans are overweight or obese, yet 60% of these men and 28% of these women think they are at the right weight. They think it's okay. And not surprisingly, women are much more critical of their own weight than men are. You got to love guys, right? We look in the mirror, we got a big gut stretching our shirt out or we're, we're having to wear special shirts or our gut doesn't show. And we're like, yeah, well, you know, I'm a, you know, a normal weight. It's uh, all good, you know? And of course, women are much harder on themselves than probably they even should be. Because when you're too hard on yourself, it just turns into this, it's like abusing yourself instead of lovingly saying to yourself, hey, listen, this isn't good what you're doing. We need to change this. You've got to show love to yourself. No, instead we go, oh God, look at you. You're fat. You're disgusting. Who would want you? You can't. You shouldn't even be dating anybody because it'll just look at you. Who would want to date someone like you? Who would want to date someone who looks like you? That is not the way to do things. So neither of those ways of dealing with it, saying that we're looking in, in the mirror and saying, oh yeah, that's not that big. Look, 
uh, for guys or, or for women beating themselves up excessively. And guess what? Among those who know they are overweight, a good portion of them underestimate the extent of their fatness. Nearly half of obese men and a quarter of obese women consider themselves slightly overweight instead of, yes, I am obese. I am obese. They don't say that. They say, oh, I'm slightly overweight. I got a few pounds, maybe five or 10 pounds to use, to lose. The remainder use the term very overweight. So people don't like saying obese. And if you give the option for people to say, hey, are you obese or not? Only, or actually less than 10% of obese adults will recognize this. And by the way, if I seem like I'm being judgmental or pointing the finger here, what I want to point out to you is that I went through this process personally. And I want to also say that it probably is even worse for me than for you, because you're probably an engineer, an accountant, an entrepreneur, a public speaker, a, a, a mom, a dad, uh, whatever it is that you are. You're not a health fi- uh, and fitness professional, but I was a health and fitness professional and I was fat. I'm going to say it. I was fat and I didn't realize it. In fact, after my 30th birthday, I did a jiu-jitsu competition that would that was my last jiu-jitsu competition i started started slowly waning myself or i I stopped training as much because it was just killing me just killing me i was doing it all wrong and i'm not going to go into big conversation or big you know tangent about what was going on there but i stopped doing the types of exercises and the amount of exercise that i was doing before which was a lot and I backed off, but I started, but I was eating the same. And I remember when I stopped doing that, I, I, I needed a new goal because I was always training for jujitsu and I was finally taking a break from it. And I wanted a new goal. So my new goal was to get big. I wanted to put on some weight. I had never been heavier than 190 pounds. And for some of you, you're like, whoa, really, Ted? I'd, you know, kill someone maybe <laughs> to be that weight. But I, that was my problem. I had never been bigger than that. I always been a, a lean, thin guy and it was very hard for me to put on weight. So I made, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this my goal. I'm going to get bigger. And I used actually John Berardi or, you know, better known as precision nutrition. I used his scrawny to brawny approach to do that. And Uh, It calls for downing three protein shakes a day and eating all this food and working out in a certain way. Now, I wasn't able to work out in the way that I was supposed to because of all my injuries and how beat up and I was and how, how inflamed my body was and how poor my sleep was. But I definitely was able to follow that nutrition program. Let me tell you what. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna stuff my face. And stuff my face I did. And I thought I was getting bigger and stronger, and I was in a way, but I was also getting fatter. And for me, I was so excited to see that scale go up. Finally, I was in the 190s, and then I was in the 200s. I had never been 200 pounds in my life. I felt like a strong, powerful guy because in the past, I had felt weak. I was bullied in school. I was pushed around. I was made fun of. And although some of you may not feel like the size that you have is power, uh, that's how I viewed it. So being bigger was a sign of power for me. And it actually helped 
uh, when I did some jujitsu with some of the people who were pushing me around before, you, you, it, in a friendly way, by the way, the, those aren't the bullies I was talking about, but I was better able to kind of deal with them. So the guys who were weighing 220, who were pushing me around at 180 or 185, they were having a real hard time with me at 200 pounds. They weren't able to just kind of throw me around like a rag doll. I was hard to deal with. I liked it. And I thought I was big and powerful until one day I was training my clients and um, I had a client who was uh, taking up photography as a hobby. In fact, she's actually a big time artist now in Miami Beach and doing very well. And one day she was having a coach, by the way, that's what successful people do is they have mentors and coaches, hint, hint. And she was having a coach a, a photographer, an expert photographer to help her with her lighting for photos. Because if you know anything about taking photos, you know, it's all about the lighting. It's not about the background. If it's all <laughs> darked out and you can't see anything, it's all about the lighting. Lighting creates beautiful photography. And so she asked me, Hey, I got to take these photos and I need a model. And how about you be the model and you can get some photos for your business. Hell Yeah. So I said yes, and I showed up, and we did some photos, and, and a lot of them turned out great, but then it came to taking my shirt off, and I had no issue with taking my shirt off, and I put on some boxing gloves, and perhaps you've seen this photo. If you ever watched my previous master classes, I shared this photo, or if you've seen me on, on, on Facebook, I've shared this photo. So there's a black and white photo of me in workout shorts with my shirt off with uh, boxing gloves on. And during that photo shoot, when he was trying to help her with the lighting, what he would say is he was like, he'd slap his belly and go, suck your gut in. And I was like, suck my gut in. Doesn't this guy see that I'm a fitness professional for like 15 years because I was in my mid thirties at the time? And how badass and, and strong and powerful I am. And he's telling me to suck my gun in. What is he even talking about? That's what was going through my head. But then guess what? I saw the photo after it was worked on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm fat. I used to be able to see the ridges of my abdominal muscles and my oblique muscles and my serratus anterior and my ribs and I can't see any of that stuff. I can bear, I can see the outline of it. And my face and head look fat. And I didn't like the way that I looked at all. And it wasn't like, oh, society is telling me that I shouldn't look this way. I just felt like I did not look like myself anymore. It wasn't anything about any pressure because I'm, if you haven't realized yet, I'm a rebel. If you tell me to do one thing, I'll do the, or at least I used to. I used to do whatever the opposite of whatever. I liked it when someone told me not to do something or I couldn't do something because I'd always prove them wrong. I got off on that. So it wasn't society's pressure. It was me looking at myself and being honest and saying, because I, again, I thought I was big, strong, powerful, and just in the best shape ever. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am not looking good here. I do not look like myself anymore. I look older. I look unhealthy. I don't look good at all. And I started to realize that some of my problems 
started, uh, some of the problems that I've been having, like I was waking up, I, I couldn't sleep on my back anymore. I would be snoring and I would wake myself up and that had never happened to me. I've slept on my back for all of my life. And now I was having this issue where if I tried to sleep on my back, I would, I would start snoring and I would like either wake myself up or I had sleep apnea. I'm not sure what the hell was going on to be honest, but I couldn't sleep on my back anymore. It had to always be on my side. And that had never been the case before. It was weird. And then I got my blood chemistry taken and my cholesterol levels were off and my hemoglobin A1C levels were high. And I had realized, holy shit, I am unhealthy right now. I'm a health and fitness professional. I'm unhealthy and I am fat. There's no two ways about it. In fact, I wasn't in the obese range, but I was in the overweight range. My body fat, I think, was 22%, 23, 22, something like that. That is unacceptable to me and should be unacceptable to you. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. And for men, I'm saying, um, if you're 20% body fat in a woman, that women have different, uh, have more body fat and you should have more body fat. That's in part what makes you biologically a woman. Um, not to go too deep into that, uh, down that rabbit hole, but just to be clear that it's uh, 20% and as a man. So what I'm getting at is that our society has kind of shifted our perception away from the truth, the truth of, of how we're more overweight than we should be and how we're out of shape. And then somehow it's normal because we look at the people next to us and say, hey, look, they look like me or actually I'm, that person's fatter than me. So I'm doing pretty good. And the issue is that is not who we should be judging ourselves by if we judge, if we compare ourselves at all. And we're going to get to that in a second, who the comparison should be if we're going to compare at all. But I want to talk about who's to blame here for a second, because many of us invoke willpower in our fight against fat. We blame and shame ourselves and we blame others. We point fingers at the pharmaceutical industry and the connection with the the big food and big pharma and, oh, they're just trying to, they're all conspiring to make us fat because they're just trying to make money. So they make us fat and unhealthy. And then they sell us drugs to combat all the, the side effects of being fat and unhealthy. But in the end, it's us who's buying the food. It's us who's eating the food. Nobody's pointing a gun. We feel oppressed in this society, but nobody's pointing a gun at you. Nobody's threatening your family, threatening your children, or threatening your um, your your career to stay to keep you st uh, to keep you overweight, to keep you obese. Nobody's doing that. And while many people have lost weight in the short term, they struggle to break the cycle of food addiction and unhealthy food choices. And we've talked about, like when I had Stefan Guillenet on, how scientists have learned that this is not just a shortage of willpower, but this is a change in our society. It's a change in our environment. And it's also leftover programming from evolution that wants to keep us in homeostasis. If we set a new body weight, it's hard to change from that, just like it was hard for me to gain weight when I was 185 pounds, it was hard for me to lose weight when I was 210 pounds. So we set 
a new weight and it's very hard to deviate from that. So I want to just say, if you're standing alone with only your willpower and the latest diet to guide you, you're going to face so much difficulty, so many obstacles that going it alone may just never, ever work for you. It may never work for you. And even if it does, weight gain is common because diets are hard to follow over the long haul. As I said before, the body resists long-term calorie restriction. And Stephen Guillenet has said, by sending signals to our brains that trigger craving for food, it becomes harder and harder as you lose weight or if you try an overly strict diet. And because of the frustration of failure, many people simply give up on slimming down. In fact, a recent study has shown that there's a declining percentage of men and women who are trying to lose weight since 1988. And perhaps it's a lack of motivation after failed efforts. I mean, how many times can you try and try and try and fail and fail and fail before you just say, forget this. It's too hard on me psychologically. It's too much. So what I want to say is that we clearly need a greater systematic effort in modern countries in the U.S. and in every country who's dealing with an obesity crisis. And even here in Thailand, there's an obesity crisis. It's just becoming a worldwide phenomenon as modernization is taking over, as societies become more technologically advanced and more disconnected from their roots. This is something that is a symptom of that. And as someone who sees this devastating the devastating effects of this on a daily basis and working with people who are struggling to get better, I started to ask myself, what is going on here? What is really happening here? Why is this happening? Because we there's more diets than ever. And even though it gets confusing out there and should you be doing keto or keto, I was going to say keto, that's paleo, that's keto and paleo together. Should you be doing, that's a joke, by the way. Hopefully there isn't that, hopefully that doesn't exist. So keto or paleo or low fat or high carb or Weight Watchers or Atkins or Pritikin or we still know that we should eat better than we currently eat. We still know that, right? We know that, and we should move more than what we should than what, what we currently move. And I started to ask, what is going on here exactly? What is it that is stopping us? And I want to go back to that first point that I made about like who we should be comparing ourselves to. Because I think this is, I don't think all comparison is bad. I mean, you shouldn't be comparing yourself to the Insta models, the Insta fitness models, right? Uh, And you see in your Instagram feed. But if we think about, well, where did we come from as human beings? Well, we were hunter and gatherers. And then agriculture, uh, we invented agriculture. And then we invented other technologies, the, the industrial revolution happened. We started using the power of coal and gasoline and um, nuclear power and all these other forms of power to replace human power. So all of a sudden, you didn't have to be out there tilling your fields. And I don't know any farming terminology, but I guess tilling your fields or you know taking your oxen and 
hoeing or plowing, I guess, plowing the fields, right? All of a sudden, now you had a, a tractor contraption to do that. All of a sudden, you didn't have to ride a horse or walk anymore. Uh, you could drive a car. And our workplace has changed as well. We don't do manual labor for the most part. We do knowledge work. We sit all day. We sit and answer calls from people. We sit in meetings. We sit in front of our computers doing what we do. And what I want to say is that our society is not only changed in those functional ways, but it's changed in a way that's disconnected us, not only from our past, but also from the things that truly make us happy. For example, what do we value in society, in modern societies? Now, not all societies are the same, and I'm going to make some sweeping generalizations that are mostly based on my experience in America and, say, say Canada um, and, and the UK. And I've never been to Australia, but from what I know from my Australian friends and from what I know about Australia, it's kind of the same. And it's also the same in places like Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And what I'm trying to say is we're becoming more disconnected from the things that make us happy because what we value is we value making money. We value buying homes. We value, we value having a car, having a house, having an apartment. Um, we value going out to dinner. We value uh, buying a, a, a nicer, newer car. We value going to the more expensive restaurant, buying the nicer shoes, and buying the nicer watch, showing off to people. And even the people who say, oh no, money doesn't really matter that much. Deep down inside, we look at other things and we really, we want them. At least if most people are honest, we're like, hey, I would like to be doing that or I would like to be doing this. And again, I was caught up in this. I spent way too much money buying a $3,000 sofa and a $1,000 piece of art and, and other expensive things to decorate my home instead of spending those things on seeing my father and, and being able to take some time off and, and spend some time with him or to go to a place. Well, like I'll tell you, one of my biggest regrets after leaving Miami and traveling throughout Asia is that how the, why the hell didn't I do this before? I had the money to do it, but my mindset was somewhere else. I was trying to buy clothes to dress in a way that would impress people in Miami. I, tr I bought a car, a BMW X5, to impress people in Miami um, and impress my clients and make them feel like, oh, I'm signing up with this su successful personal trainer. And that's where my head was. And also spending money, taking women out when I was single to take them out to restaurants and show them, hey, listen, I'm doing well. I've, I can afford this. And, um, you know, and then we, that's how we were connecting. And I had a good time doing it. It wasn't terrible, but most of the time I didn't have a good time. Most of the time I ended up, even if I had sex or had a girlfriend or uh, someone complimented me on the way I was dressing or my car, there was still an emptiness inside. That compliment, it didn't fill the emptiness inside. And what I want to tell you is that our society is not only changed in this fundamental way where we're eating and, and our environment's different and we don't move as much, but it's also, it's also disconnected us from the things that make us happy. And we're wandering around lost trying to find it. 
So we go out to bars and drink and we go out with friends who are in the same situation, who are, who are lonely and depressed and anxious and fearful of the future. And, and we all eat together and we don't talk about what's truly on our minds. We just sit there and stuff our faces and get a little fatter. We get a little drunker. Or maybe if you're like me, I didn't have that particular problem. I was out in clubs, staying out late, dancing to music, drinking alcohol, taking drugs, looking for a connection with my friends, looking for a connection with a woman, usually ending up with meaningless sex. Not the ter- most terrible thing in the world, but it gets old after a while. And also with friends who really I didn't have that strong of a connection with. In fact, I got betrayed a bunch of times. And so what I want to, what I'm getting at here is that I want to make the argument that we're disconnected from our true selves, that you aren't broken and there's nothing to fix, but there's something to be reconnected to. And I want to make the argument here that being fat, having too much body fat on you, being overweight, being obese, being morbidly obese is you covering up, trying to armor yourself against all the things that have happened to you in your life. And it's a way for you to look for some some pleasure, some happiness. But the thing is, it doesn't work, does it? So you have to keep eating and you keep getting bigger and you don't know what else to do. So you keep eating. So you keep getting bigger and you don't know what else to do and you keep eating. And this behavior, it doesn't only uh, describe people's relationship with food, but it also describes the relationship with drugs and alcohol, which alcohol is a drug, by the way. And we keep doing these things and they don't work. Why do we do this? And what I want to posit to you is that until you change your approach, until you change the thoughts that you're thinking, until you break that habit, that pattern that you're running in your life, you're never going to find the happiness that you're looking for, the joy that you're looking for the passion, the purpose, or maybe even the peace that you're looking for. We've got to stop the cycle. We've got to stop spending our money on material things looking for happiness. And I'm not, I'm not arguing that, hey, look, I like nice stuff. I like good quality clothes that are expensive. I like that stuff. I like nice cars. I like all that stuff. But what I'm saying is if you're too out of balance, I like eating food. I like eating dessert. I like my newest thing is Japanese gelato out here. But if I eat too much of it, I'm out of balance. I'm out of balance and I start to become more and more disconnected from my true self. And I want to make the argument right now that you are super disconnected. If you are too stressed, you are super disconnected from who you truly are. If you're too fat, you're super disconnected from who you truly are. And if you're using drugs or drinking too much, which again, it's a drug, just we separate it in society. Another one of those silly little uh, distinctions that we make to make ourselves feel better when we down a six pack of beer or fifth at Jack Daniels or my favorite scotch. And then we point the fingers at other people who are, you know, using cocaine or doing ecstasy or uh, smoking marijuana. But we're all doing the same thing, whether we're using food, gambling, alcohol, marijuana, cocaine. We're all doing the same thing and it's all further damaging our health and getting us more disconnected from who we truly are as human beings. 
who we truly are at a deeper level, and what truly makes us happy. So I, that's the thought that I want to leave you with. A little heavier than probably what you thought <laughs> this was going to be about going into this episode today. You thought it was going to be about five ways to fight fat and how to maintain a calorie deficit, but I think you already know that, and I think you're kind of tired of hearing it. And what I think needs to be told is this story, the story that we're all sharing this experience together. We're all struggling and in pain and suffering, and we're not willing to talk about it. We just go out and drink more, go out and eat more, go out and gamble more, you know, hook up with more women or more men or whatever your situation is. So the answer is, then what do we do? What is the answer here? What I want to say to you is that the thoughts that you're having leads to choices in your life. And those choices lead to behaviors. And those behaviors lead to the results that you currently call your life and all, all the things that you have in it, the good and the bad. So a fundamental change needs to happen at the base level, which is your thoughts, your mindset. So how do we do that then? Do I listen to a podcast? Do I get that New York Times bestselling book that everybody keeps raving about? Do I watch a bunch of YouTube videos? And what I want to say is the answer is simple. And it's the answer that you've heard over and over again. And there's not going to be anything new in this answer. And you're not going to be excited about it. But it is the goddamn truth. And that is you've got to change you're, you've got to go after experiences. You've got to change what you do. You've got to change your thoughts because right now, for example, I'll use uh, an example here. Oh, I can't go on vacation because I don't have enough money. But then if we look at your life and look how many times you go out to eat and how much you spend on alcohol and how, how, many, um, you know, how much clothes you buy and all the other things that you're buying or how much you're paying for your car, trying to impress people who don't even care about you. You have the money to do it. You have the money to do it. You're just not putting the money in the right place. Now, some money, just let me say this for a second. Some of you are in a situation where you don't actually have the money. And I've been there. I've been broke many times in my life, unfortunately, to say. Now I'm making more money than I ever have. And I'm less concerned about money than I've ever been. Because I'm so connected with what I'm doing and so passionate about it, things are just happening for me like... I'm like I have, like I was born with good luck, but if you know my story, you know that is certainly not the case. So what I want to tell you for the folks who are like, no, Ted, I actually don't have money. Like I lost my job. I don't have savings. I'm struggling to make things happen. What I want to say to you is you've got to immerse yourself in as many positive things as you can. You've got to find the free stuff and go for it. You've got to listen to the podcast like this. Listen to things that cause a shift in your emotional state. And how do you know if that's happening? Well, listen, check in with yourself right now. Are you listening to this? And is it causing a, shift, a positive shift in your emotional state? That should be the thing that you ask yourself whenever you look to invest in something that is supposed to take you to the next level. Is it shifting my emotional state in a positive way? Yes or no? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, then stop doing it. And if the answer is yes, then do more of it. And keep doing that and your life will get better because that's what took me out of the financial pit. That's what led to me making more money. 
And you don't even have to be an entrepreneur or solopreneur or anything like that. You can get more raises. You can get promotions. You can get some of my clients who work with me, who, who work under someone, they've gotten promotion after promotion after promotion or ended up leaving their previous job for a better job. Kevin comes to mind. In fact, I just talked with him. If you haven't heard his story, you should listen to it. Um, you can go to bulletproofbodyprogram.com and click on the testimonials and listen to Kevin's interview on there. He got a, a, a better offer at another company. Then I just talked to him recently because he's actually working with me again. He now got a job with a new company making more money with better benefits, all because he did what I'm telling you to do right now. Now, he ended up hiring me for coaching, but if you're broke and you can't afford anything and you're struggling and you don't even know how you're going to make next month's rent, that's what I want you to do. Immerse yourself until it starts to change you. Now, let's talk about the people who are listening. That This is going to be most of the people who are listening are in this situation because you have the money. You're just putting it in other places. Oh, uh, and, and, and you think, oh, I can't go on vacation. I can't. And not just go on vacation, but do something that truly leads to a physiological change, an emotional change in your identity. Because most of us, when we go on vacation, what do we do? We go have some fun, drink some alcohol, eat too much food. We come back fatter and like we need a vacation from our vacation because of how little sleep and how much alcohol and how much, um, you know, calorie heavy food we ate. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a true adventure vacation, an adventure vacation where you get a little uncomfortable, where it doesn't seem like, hey, that's going to be the thing to do because it sounds uncomfortable. It sounds like a bit of work, but that's what you want to do. Could be doing zip lining in Costa Rica. Could be uh, traveling to Thailand and uh, uh, visiting the temples here or taking a Thai boxing class. It could be going to Tahiti and going scuba diving. It could be going to Hawaii and going surfing. It could be a number of different things, but please stop the cycle of what you're currently doing. You've got to change it. And it starts with how you start and how you think. It starts with how you think about what's going to solve your problems because right now you're not solving your problems. That's why you're listening to this. That's why you're searching. That's why you keep searching. So that's the change you need to make. And another thing I want to say is that a lot of people think coaching is something they either can't afford or don't need. And what's funny about that is if we look at who has coaches, who has coaches, gold medal Olympic athletes, professional athletes who get paid millions of dollars per year, executives who have coaches because they know to perform at their best, they need help. Guys who are making many, many millions of dollars per year. All the people who I worked with in Miami Beach, they were all millionaires. Actually, I think one of them, a couple of them were just making high six figures. But most of the people that I've worked with worth $90 million, $100 million, a billion dollars, $500 million, those are the people who are hiring coaches. So I want to ask yourself, how successful are you in life? Are you making a lot of money? Are you making a big positive impact? Are you showing up as the best version of yourself? Or do you, or do you know that you could do more, but you say, you know, I don't need a coach. That coaches are for losers. By the way, I have a coach. I've got a couple of coaches, actually. 
have a coach helping me with my business because guess what? I suck at business. It's not a skill that I have. Now, I've gotten better at it. I don't, I don't suck at business anymore, but I suck big time when I first started. It took me years to get to the point where I'm at now. And I invested in a coach. I invested in coaches to get me there. It wasn't best-selling books or podcasts or YouTube videos. When I had the money, I invested in it. And what I want to say to you right now is if you are struggling with your health and fitness and you keep bouncing from workout to workout, if you keep bouncing from fad diet to fad diet, should I do intermittent fasting? Should I do keto? Should I do a powerlifting routine? Should I do a bodybuilding? Should I do myo reps? Should I do cluster sets? Should I do high intensity interval training? Should I do long, slow cardio? Should I do deadlift squats and bench presses? Should I do functional training where I'm standing on a BOSU ball on one leg doing bicep curls to an overhead press? If you're in that situation where you're confused and you're currently not getting results, like for example, you didn't get results last month, and I don't mean because you were parting, uh, having a great time during the holidays. I'm talking about the, the month before that started. And what about the month before that? Because if you're not getting consistent results, your program, there's nothing wrong with your genes, your metabolism, your hormones. Those are all excuses for the fact that you don't know what you're doing. And it's okay to admit that you don't know what you're doing because you don't know how to do your taxes. You don't know how to be an accountant, do you? You don't know how to drill holes in your teeth like a dentist, do you? I would never do dentistry on myself. I would never try to do my own taxes. There's experts for that. There's coaches for that, right? If we wanted to use that word a little bit more generally. You would never prescribe drugs to yourself, right? The right antibiotic for the right uh, bacterial infection. You go to a doctor to do that. But yet you try to do this on your own. Now, some of you are successful with it. And maybe you're just listening to this because you like listening to the podcast and you've got great results. Awesome. But I'm talking to the people right now who are not getting results, who are stuck. Maybe you're stuck struggling with not knowing what to do. Maybe you're stuck struggling with not getting results. Maybe you're stuck struggling like some of my clients who keep getting injured over and over. And if that's you, then what I want you to do is I want you to sign up for a breakthrough call with me. If you need help in the health and fitness area of your life, if you're tired of not getting results or if you keep getting injured, if you're dealing with some issues, if you're too confused about what to do, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash talk and sign up for a breakthrough call with me. And let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about what's working for you. Let's talk about what's not working for you. Let's talk about what you truly want to accomplish. And if I feel that you're right for the program, then I'll invite you into the program. And I'll be honest with you. I've got people who are working with me already, and I only have 10 spots available. So I've got about seven clients right now. Probably about half of those will leave. And I'll have, um, you know, I'll have, I guess, six, six spots available, maybe seven. So there's not a lot of space and we're doing Facebook ads to reach new people. So we're going to be getting a lot of people coming in and signing up with me and my price, it's just going up. And I'm not saying that to brag or, or try to put pressure on you. I'm saying it because it's the truth. So if you are interested in talking with me about the possibility of working together, then don't wait, take action now, because in three months, you're like, oh no, you know, I'm not right now. I'm doing this thing and I'm good. And I just had to pay something recently. And um, 
I'll do it in three months. Guess what? I'm going to raise my price. I don't even know how long I'm going to be doing one-on-one coaching. I've I've got so much to share with you. I, I maybe do, I've connected with so many people, and they want to do uh, workshops together. And uh, uh, someone wants me to write a book. And there are all these other things that are happening. So I don't know what the future holds. You've got to take action now. Just like if you're listening and you wanted to join Legendary Lean, my group coaching program, that's over. You can never join that. Now, I may do group coaching in the future, but it ain't going to happen for the next year, maybe more. And even if it does happen, it won't happen in the same way that it did before where I'm going to be the one that you're dealing with. It will be in a very different format. So stop losing out if this is right for you. If you've been wanting to work with me, but you've been putting it off because it didn't feel quite right, or maybe you're on the fence about it. But if you're there, go to legendarylightpodcast.com slash talk and sign up. So I'm going to end things now. I hope I hope you got a lot, a lot out of listening to this episode. And I hope you know what I'm saying. It's coming from my heart. I'm telling the truth as I feel it, as I see it. And I want you to know I care deeply about you and I care deeply about your success. And I want you to be happier. I want you to get the results you want. I want you to level up your life. I'm not the person who's looking at you wanting to be better at you like so many people are. When you you can't even tell people these days that you're doing well because you're afraid that they're going to be like, "Oh, you're doing well?" Yeah, well, fuck you because um now now I'm uh, you get that envy going. You get that you bring out that envy in other people. I truly want the best for you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart and I hope that comes across. I hope you feel that when I say that. And whether you end up working with me or never working with me, I still want the best for you. And everybody who hops on a call with me, that breakthrough call, whether they sign up with me or not, they leave feeling that way because I make sure they know that I want their best. And I want to also say, I'm just on fire right now. I'm super grateful for you. I've got big things coming this year. I'm going to make this podcast better. And this is, I hope you feel a new energy coming from me and I hope you like it. I hope you realize it's an evolution. It's progress from what I've been focusing on in the past. And that's going to be from here on out because I feel like I was playing small and not being as honest as I should have been or could have been with you. But now I'm opened up and I want the best and I know what it takes to make it happen. So that's what I want to leave you with. I hope you all had an amazing holiday. I hope you're already having an amazing 2019. And I want you to have an incredible week and think about what I said today. That's all I've got. Wishing you the best and speak to you soon.